Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Do you think you'll ever be queen? <sighs> no, I don't. No. Why do you think that? I'd like to be a queen of people's hearts, in people's hearts. But I don't see myself being queen of this country. I don't think many people would want me to be queen. Actually, when I say many people, I mean the establishment that I'm married into. Because they've decided that I'm a non-starter. Why do you think they've decided that? Because I do things differently. Because I don't go by a rule book. Because... I lead from the heart, not the head. And albeit that's got me into trouble in my work, I understand that. But someone's got to go out there and love people and show it. And do you think that because of the way you behave, that's precluded you effectively from becoming queen? Yes, I, well, not precluded me, I wouldn't say that. Um, I just don't think I have as many supporters in that environment than I did. Than I did yeah. You mean within the royal household? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They see me as a, a threat of some kind. And I'm here to do good. Not a dis I'm not a destructive person. Why do they see you as a threat? I think every strong woman in history has had to walk down a similar path. And I think it's the strength that causes the confusion and the fear. Why is she strong? Where does she get it from? Where is she taking it? Where is she going to use it? Why do the public still support her? When I say public, you go into an engagement and there's a great many people there. Hello again, Hushlings. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our personal palace guard, Slick Frank Sanders. What is up, Mike? How you doing, Dave? I am doing fantastic. I am feeling almost royal. Royal, huh? I'm splendid. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. In our last debriefing, we covered the Apollo moon mission as well as the moon landings, kind of as a whole. We debated the legitimacy of the moon landings as well as the implications that the space race could have possibly played in the falsifying of the moon missions. They went to the moon. All right. I mean, if you say so. We split that one up, I think. That was one where we, I think, all came up with three different opinions on it. Yeah, I don't know that we all agreed in the same way. Yeah, it was a little split. There was some common ground, but yeah. I don't know, man. United States likes to uh, fake some shit. You can check out an episode where we briefly talked about Hollow Moon with the Unexplained podcasts. All three of us. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to get into a little bit more of that. That seems like a really interesting subject to talk about. It really was. Swiss cheese moon? Yeah, it rang my bell. <laughs> for Debriefing 25, we are going across the pond for Princess Diana. But before we blow out that candle in the wind, just want to remind you to check out our social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also over on YouTube or... You can cut out all the nonsense, 
come over to the official Hush Hush Society website, hushhushsociety.com. Go over there. We have our reviews every episode, or you could check out our blog where we have even more content, hushhushsociety.com. On the website, you can also find our merch store. That's right, Hush Hush Society merchandise that you can wear on your body. You can also put your favorite beverages in this merch. You can go around and represent that you are a hushling in the most official of manners. Go ahead and check it out at hushhushsociety.com. Tune in to our Cryptid Chronicles episodes as well as our brand new declassified discussions. If you didn't tune in to our previous episode, we had Mark O'Connell, which was an amazing experience for us. So I hope you guys got to check that episode out. That was our second time recording with Mark due to some audio issues, but just as good. Mark is a great guy, great conversationalist, great storyteller, and it was it was just a great time having him on again. And hopefully we'll have him on again in the future. All right, let's dive down this tunnel. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Diana Spencer, Princess of Wales, was born on July 1st, 1961, as a member of the British royal family. She was the first wife to Prince Charles, who happened to be the heir to the British throne at the time. Diana's activism made her an international icon and earned her the love from people from many corners of the world. Diana has an extensive list of charity acts that took place during her lifetime, which includes campaigns for animal protection rights, fighting against the use of landmines. Not only that, but she was also the patroness of charities and organizations who worked with the homeless, youth, drug addicts, and the elderly. In 1987, Diana was awarded the Honorary Freedom of the City of London, which is the highest honor the City of London can bestow on someone. In June 1995, she traveled to Moscow, where she paid a visit to a children's hospital she had previously supported when she provided them with medical equipment. While visiting Russia, she received the International Leonardo Prize, which is given to the most distinguished patrons and people in the arts, medicine, and sports. Diana also spearheaded campaigns to fight both HIV and cancer through the late 80s into the mid-90s. She had two sons with the prince, However, they separated in 1996 and had both been seeing other people before the breakup. This was publicly revealed in 1992. Diana died in a car accident in Paris with the man she was seeing, the son of an Egyptian billionaire, Dodi Fayed. I was very young when this whole Diana thing went on. 1997, so I was 10. Being young, I remember that a lot of people were very much enthralled by Diana and that she had this aura about her and she was a great person. And, and I remember that much about her from childhood. But you start to look at like maybe the interviews that she did and the legacy that she left behind. She was a humanitarian. Mm -hmm. As we said, she did so many different things. She really kind of took the spotlight in the UK. I think she was almost at the height of, of her life and at the height of her being married to Prince Charles. I think that she had almost stolen the spotlight from everybody else in the royal family, including the queen. Yeah, not vividly, but I remember my parents watching it on TV and being really upset watching the news. So, and I, I probably didn't really understand what was going on too, too much. But yeah, I didn't really know about all the things. I mean, we were too young to know about all the stuff that she did. You know, you just knew that she was someone of high importance. Yeah, I wasn't even a thought at the time of her death. Um, <laughs> but I can say that 
what we mentioned, it's definitely just like a drop in the bucket as to what she had done for the people. Just from that little bit that we mentioned, you can really see how much of a positive impact that she was having on the world at the time. You know, she was doing so many great things. And like you said, Mike, she she was definitely taking up some of the spotlight with, with the moves that she was making. It pushes me to kind of a side thought here. What do you think is our obsession? Maybe it's not an obsession, but our interest as Americans with the royal family, like with the UK royalty, because we have paid close attention to the rise of the queen and her wedding was like televised worldwide, which was like a first of of its kind. And then there was Diana and then it was her children, William and Harry, and we're paying attention to Meghan Markle and maybe we romanticize the royalty part of it and that's why we're so maybe interested in their day-to-day or in what they do but i I also wonder if people in the uk look at america that way or if we're just kind of more of a reality show to them yeah probably the latter yeah (laughs) well maybe because just you know the the usual drama of the american presidency to -to day-to-day isn't really drama it's just some old person in the in the Oval Office. Rambling on the internet. Yeah, so the most we've ever had to mirror, I guess, maybe not exciting things, but all the things that happen in their family day to day could have just been the last four years of our existence here. But they definitely enjoyed that, I'm sure. Yeah, that's why I said reality show, you know? It's ironic because I feel like that's more like a reality show to me personally, which might be wicked ironic because I know how the United States government probably comes off around the world. But to me, their form of government and the royal family and all that, that just seems like so outlandish. And I feel like that definitely draws attention to it just because of how different it is and like you said they they probably it's probably romanticized because of how how different it is there's a reason why a group of people left (laughs) (laughs) realistically we don't have that kind of affinity towards any other leadership worldwide for instance saudi arabia they have these outlandish weddings princes and all this other stuff golden (laughs) ak-47s Yeah, dri- you know, driving down these roads on two wheels in their Mercedes SUVs. That's true. I think it's because we're probably so closely linked with the UK when it comes to being an ally. That might be a yeah. major part of it. If we had fuzzy hats outside the White House, like royal guards, we'd probably yeah, be taken more seriously. Yeah, I think so. I do think that we lack a certain amount of pageantry. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit more on Diana's death, some more of the nitty gritty specifics. On the 30th of August in 1997, Diana had died in a car crash in the Pont de la Alma tunnel in Paris while her driver was fleeing the paparazzi. They're being quite a nuisance. Diana and Dodie had just returned from a vacation in France where they were being photographed together by the paparazzi who quickly speculated about the beginning of a relationship between the two. They had ended their vacation with a night in Paris before she was supposed to go back home to London. Their car was speeding away from the paparazzi when it hit a concrete pillar inside the tunnel. It was 12.25 a.m. Henry, the driver, was often credited as the cause of the crash. Witnesses say they saw him drinking at the hotel bar earlier that evening, and his blood alcohol level reported that he was, well, drunk. Henry. Henry. The crash also resulted in the deaths in her companion Dottie Faid, as well as the driver, Henry Paul, 
Diana's bodyguard, Trevor Rees Jones, survived the crash. Diana's funeral was televised live on September 6th and was watched by a British audience that peaked at 32.1 million people watching. Millions outside of Britain tuned in from around the world as she was a beloved icon of the people. The initial French judicial investigation came to the conclusion that the crash was caused by Henry Paul's intoxication, reckless driving, speeding, and all of that mixed with the effects of prescription drugs. God damn, Henry. No, Henry was popping perkies. Henry was making cocktails Lit. Like supreme. Fuck. The Husha Society does not condone drinking and driving. Click it or ticket, folks. <laughs> In February 1998, Mohammed Al-Fayed, the father of Dodi Fayed, publicly stated that the crash that had killed his son, as well as the Princess of Wales, had been meticulously planned. He accused the British MI6 and the Duke of Edinburgh, aka Prince Philip, directly for the act that had taken place. So this man was just out here making very, very bold accusations, very publicly, mind you. It was this public statement that had sparked a conspiracy that holds to be as interesting and seemingly true as it did decades ago. It makes sense because let's say that, as we all know, the royal family is all about image. And if you pay attention to current events with Meghan Markle and Harry and him renouncing like all his titles and all that other stuff just to go live in America so that Meghan isn't endlessly barraged with bullshit. The history of the royals is kind of that. They're all about face value and what things look like. Looking at the overall, Diana goes and splits from her husband and then she starts seeing another man. And to the royal family, that's kind of like... We can't have any of this. The conspiracy part of it, where it was kind of a planned thing, or maybe there was some sort of outside force that contributed to the crash, is very intriguing. And I think it has a certain amount of merit to it. I don't want to say that the royal family is capable of planning the murder of someone that's quote-unquote part of their family, but... Well, they've done it in history. They have done it in history, and they've cast people out, and I wouldn't be surprised if Prince Andrew one day maybe commits suicide or something, quote-unquote, but... I think it's all about looks, and I think it's about what the perception of royalty is. And Diana, after splitting with her husband, maybe they wanted to distance themselves from her image. Well, I guess has the image of royalty changed since a thousand years ago? Maybe that's our allure to the royal family because it's royal blood. There's nothing about the presidency that's royal blood. I can't really wrap my head around it necessarily, though, that idea. I mean, I see where you're coming from, that they would obviously want to protect how they're depicted, but she was just such an amazing person doing so many great things for the country. I feel like people would be understanding, even not care if she was seeing somebody else, especially because the prince was also seeing somebody else right before they had split up. It was kind of a mutual thing. I don't think it's so much that she was seeing somebody else as much as it is this man was Egyptian. He wasn't of royal blood. I can't say that the prince was seeing somebody of royal blood. Oh, it was speculation that she was seeing him, right? Was she seeing him? That's another thing is it was speculation, but I think it was yeah. pretty well understood that they were they were together. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. 
here's the thing though yes she was a humanitarian she did do all these great things and she was kind of a positive image for the royal family but at the point that she goes and separates from the prince and she starts seeing somebody from outside the royal family or outside of english royalty then that image is kind of marred in the eyes of, of royalty not necessarily in the eyes of the people i think that's the delineation here is that yeah, i know what you mean it's not the perception of the people the people loved her no matter what her accolades followed her whether she was with the royal family or not but i think it's more the queen and the actual royal family that looked at it as a slight as we said before she held that spotlight and she took away kind of the allure of the royal family an 18-month investigation by French authorities, which ended in 1999 after interviewing 200 witnesses, officially concluded the death of Diana was exactly what it seemed to be, an accident. <coughs> Bullshit. Former Met Police Commissioner Lord Stevens launched a criminal investigation called Operation Paget in 2004. At the request of the Royal Coroner, the 832-page Paget report, which included 1,500 witness statements, was published on December 14th, 2006. So it went from 200 witnesses to 1,500 witness statements in five years. If she was indeed in an accident, why would you need 800 pages? Unless the 800 pages are including the 1,500 witness accounts. I think that's probably most of it. Why do you need 1,500 witnesses to say that this dude was drunk and he was obviously the reason <laughs> for the crash? And how did 1,500 people see this guy drunk? That's another thing. Even 200 people in one night. Come on, man. Oh, yeah, I, rem I remember Henry. There was 1,500 people in the bar of the hotel watching him drink. So how do you even know, first of all, that this man was the driver for Diana? So if you're if you're the average person sitting inside of a pub or you're at the hotel or whatever, and you see this guy sitting at the bar and he's slinging back drinks and he's popping pills and whatever else, how do you know that that guy is the driver for Princess Diana? It's probably a really nice hotel too, so he's probably wearing something nice. Probably blends in. And that also brings up, like you said, the number thing. How do you have 200 witnesses knowing that this man was drinking? Well, how big is that bar? <laughs> yeah. how, how big is that hotel? How many people can with certainty turn around, ID him as the driver and as the guy that they saw in the bar and say, yeah, we, we saw him drinking? The way I see it, there's also the fact that all of these 1500 witness statements might not absolutely define the fact that the driver was drunk or whatever they saw him taking pills or even seeing him drinking well, it could be somebody these watching the car witness into the statements tunnel. exactly these were just witness statements in general so it could be people anywhere from when they left the hotel all the way to the tunnel anywhere in between that point and i could definitely see a lot of people maybe on the sidewalks whatever there was all the paparazzi so they had a fair amount of time in between leaving the hotel and getting to the tunnel where a lot of people could have seen this car traveling it could have been 1200 people People that just said, oh, yeah, I saw the car going down the road. This person was driving. There was this many people in the car. Yeah. You know, they're not all definitely saying Henry was loaded. Henry was taking perk 30s. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's there's a couple of them. Probably. But yeah. poor Henry. 
It just seems kind of like overkill. A little bit. As far as reports go. Yeah, like even if that was the case, even if it was 1,200 people saying that they saw the car going in this direction into this tunnel, why would they need 1,200 people to prove that point? Even just to prove the point of where the car was going. It is the Princess of Wales. It's a big fucking deal. Look at it from this point of view. If you were trying to cover something up, would you have 50 witnesses or would it look better if you had 1,200 witnesses? 1,200 solid. Yeah. Yeah. Little sus. Little sus. Well, that brings into question MI6. Now, if you don't know who MI6 is, they're the British equivalent of the CIA. It's the intelligence agency of the United Kingdom, and they deal with intelligence relating to international affairs and generally use to combat overseas threats. The idea behind the MI6 being involved with this theory is that Princess Diana was a threat to the stability of the empire and has to be taken out. Who better than the British CIA? Definitely some some heavy parallels here with other subjects we've touched on. The MI6 were accused of bugging Princess Diana on numerous occasions and were also claimed to have been behind the revelation of the tapes which led to her breakup with Prince Charles. So invasive. Well, I mean, CIA. <laughs> yeah. One former MI6 operative, Richard Tomlinson, he swore that MI6 were at the heart of the death of Diana, and that they had been following her for some time beforehand. He later retracted that statement, saying that he he must have misremembered. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this Richard Tomlinson guy, that was not necessarily a deathbed confession, but he was pretty old, and he was rambling about this to some news outlet. I must have misremembered. How do you misremember pretty much bugging and following <laughs> Princess Diana? How do you how do you misremember that? It was a dementia dream. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at it as a whole with MI6 being involved and even the, even the suspicion of MI6 being involved and everything surrounding this so far it doesn't read as very straightforward. It doesn't read to me as just an everyday car accident. Exactly. And the, the more you get into it, the more the cards start to stack up in the favor that it's absolutely more than just something as simple as a car accident and a tunnel. I think the fact that it happened in a tunnel, too, is sus as well. Could that have been like a major strategic point in planning it because there's no surveillance or you wouldn't hear it necessarily? If you wouldn't know about it, it'd be hard to get to. None of the fans on the sidewalks watching them drive away. Yeah, there's no real pedestrian eyewitnesses. It's just whoever's in the tunnel. And then it did happen in the middle of the night. It's a perfect spot for it. Yeah, just after midnight. Yeah, so I think the location of the accident itself is suspect. But then again, it's probably pretty easy to crash when you're trying to avoid somebody in a tunnel as well. When you're high on Perk 30s and alcohol. (laughs) Perk 30s and fucking Bud Lights. Jeez. It is possible that it all boils down to just being like a straight up accident. Yeah, there's always that possibility. There's always the possibility that all pieces of information and all the background to this point to maybe something else. Absolutely. And as we are a conspiracy podcast, we'll look at the conspiracy. Dave makes a great point with the strategic location of the crash because... There was no video, no photographs, 
mm-hmm. know nothing of, of the crash, which is a little bit bizarre because the story is that Henry the driver was fleeing the paparazzi, which in that case you would think that somebody would have had some sort of video, some sort of image, but there isn't because of them being in the tunnel. I hate to like compare it to the Kennedy assassination, but maybe if they had taken out Kennedy in like a tunnel, there wouldn't be such a strong case against the CIA and whatnot for the assassination. That That's what makes this case a little bit harder to prove and there's not as much solid evidence in the favor that it was of conspiratorial intent and that it absolutely could have just been an accident. Let's shed some light on some things. As we talked about before, Richard Tomlinson, the former MI6 agent, he suggested that Diana's death resembled plans he saw in 1992 for the assassination of Yugoslav president Slobodan Milosevic using a bright light to cause a traffic accident. Hmm, correlation. Hmm. Uncanny parallels. The news outlet The Telegraph reported one witness... Brian Andenson, who was a passenger in a taxi at the time. He claimed that at the scene he saw a very significant flash of light followed by a very loud bang just moments before the crash. He told the news outlet how four motorbikes were like a cluster and a swarm around the Mercedes. Before we continue, that's kind of a fragmented witness statement saying he saw a bright light and a very loud bang, you know, moments before the crash. You would think if you saw a bright light, you got blinded, you crash your car. That's you know? true. So seconds, maybe? Maybe his taxi driver was wearing sunglasses <laughs> at night. <laughs> in in a, tunnel. a tunnel? Yeah. I'd be interested in what the taxi driver saw, not yeah. necessarily the passenger. Mm-hmm. He was in the front seat. Did the taxi driver see this bright light? And if so, if he saw the bright light, did it make him swerve or did it make it, you know? Well, clearly it didn't. He was wearing sunglasses, so. (laughs) Witness Francois Levater told the investigators of Diana's death that he was driving in front of the Mercedes when the flash of light lit up the underpass. He said it was like the light from a police speed camera. He claimed that the flash came from a motorbike, which overtook the princess's car seconds before the impact. Francois even claimed that one of the two bikers on the motorcycle walked over to the wreckage and gave a mission accomplished hand gesture. What is a mission accomplished? Like a a salute? It's like an okay. Like a thumbs up? Yeah. He gave gave the other drivers the finger guns? Like, got him. (laughs) Got him. He did like the thumb across the throat. like vault but again boy. this is this is kind of like you said with the previous witness statement this doesn't really line up for me necessarily because <laughs> francois claims that he was driving in front of the mercedes that had crashed yeah. and he's saying that he saw one of the bikers walk up to the wreckage <laughs> and you know well, kind of give a you know well Fra- he must have stopped yeah he must have stopped or he just watched it in his rearview mirror the entire time as it <laughs> oh, yeah, dissipated maybe. in the distance. Yeah, I don't know about Francois here. Brian Andenson, I think there's a little bit more legitimacy to his statement only because of what follows up, you know, how, how his story continues, which we won't touch on right now. But yeah, Francois, I don't know about all that, bud. Could this flash of light, could that have just been paparazzi flash of the camera? Could very well. 
It definitely could have been. From the description, it's looking like a speed trap camera. You know, the flash from a speed trap camera is very similar to that's what it is. It's a camera going off. The flash of a camera where these guys on motorcycles, just a bunch of paparazzi assholes following the biker gang. paparazzi hell's angels and they're following the princess hoping to get some sort of picture of them canoodling in the back of the car there or something canoodling yeah like really it does sound like was a camera flash that they're describing i don't know about the banging sound or the loud sound that he heard moments before the crash that's something else but the flash definitely sounds like a camera flash to pedal back a little bit i was wondering about the bodyguard situation she had one bodyguard with her the driver her boyfriend and her right so it was Mm -hmm. four people inside the car yes and the bodyguard was the only one that survived correct yeah So the bodyguard was the only one that survived, and he was the only coverage for the princess. Why would she have only one bodyguard? She wanted to canoodle in the back of the car. Let me draw your attention to every time that you've ever seen a president, uh, a member of royalty, anybody of any importance. Are they traveling in one car? No. No. They're in one car, but what are they surrounded by? A motorcade. Even Kennedy had a motorcade. Yeah, but you, you got to look at the fact that they were on vacation. She's not going to bring a whole brigade of security on vacation, I don't think. Vacation or not, the royal family would have had her arm to the T. They wouldn't have sent one bodyguard with her. Maybe he was on some John Wick shit. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. But even so, even <laughs> if they only sent one bodyguard to follow her or one bodyguard that was within six feet of her they're still going to send that follow-up car or the lead car or something of the sort just because she went and got a divorce from the prince it doesn't mean that she is now just a regular ass person who only deserves one bodyguard to serve her yeah no you're right Anybody in the royal family would have had multiple guards. That in itself is very suspect that she only had one bodyguard. But then the bodyguard is the only one that survived the crash. Here's another take on it. Could it possibly have been that the bodyguard was sitting in the passenger seat, driver's driving, they go into the tunnel, the bodyguard puts his seatbelt on and he says, Hey, Henry, saw you had a couple drinks back there pulls out his gun and shoots Henry in the back of the head. Henry turns the wheel, slams into the pillar, and that's the end of it. That could explain the loud bang. He would have had a gunshot wound. Do you know that he didn't have a gunshot wound? Is that in the report, David? It's, it might be. Is it? I feel like it'd be more public knowledge if it was. But would it have been? Uh, if, if they weren't trying to cover it up. All right, so let's say that they were trying to cover it up. Let's say that that bodyguard did indeed put a cap into into Henry, causing the crash. I'm not saying that that's real, but... I like the way that you you're know. thinking, but I don't think it's viable. Only because if that was the intention, if that was the plan, that is a huge gamble. Because God forbid Diana lives, Dodi Fayed fit lives, then he has to shoot them. And then there, it's just Maybe he did. one or two more bodies to cover up and, you know, more more gunshots in a tunnel. More people are going to talk. I don't, I don't think that's how it would have gone. And he also, if he was in the front seat, he was very, very vulnerable to dying as well. Unless he was in the back seat. 
holding Diana's Can- leg. He was... <laughs> He was cuddling with them. <laughs> I told you guys he was a cuck. He was he was publicly known as a cuck. That's why he was there. <laughs> Jesus. Well, All let's right. get let's talk about some canoe. <laughs> oh man, I just keep thinking about the mission accomplished hand gesture. <laughs> hey, okay. <laughs> Puts his sunglasses up in the tunnel <laughs> at night. Thumbs up. Another reason why some people believe Diana was assassinated was the rumor that she was pregnant with Dodie's baby. Hmm. Dodie's father claimed in 2003 that Diana called and told him the night she died that she was pregnant. Ah, so this draws back to the MI6 tapping her phones or listening in on her, whatever they were doing. Yep. He said Philip planned the murder to prevent the couple from getting married and having a baby. What a dick. Although, blood tests done at the scene of the accident found absolutely no trace of Diana being pregnant, allegedly. Subscribers of this theory, the pregnancy theory, believe that those who orchestrated her murder manipulated the evidence to hide her pregnancy. Mm, Makes sense. If they murdered her in the first place to hide the pregnancy, then they obviously wouldn't have released the fact that she was pregnant. No, that wouldn't be in their interest. Dodie's father stated that Diana's body was deliberately embalmed shortly after her death to ensure that any pregnancy test at post-mortem would produce a false result. Mm. Well, that's creepy. It's morbid and weird. It's just a double dose to falsify the information, I suppose. Yeah. Hushlings will return after this short message. Hey everyone, I'm Nikki. And I'm Tyler. And we are page turners and button mashers. Do you guys love books, games, or even both? Well, we have the podcast for you. I come in with a book of the week, sometimes a series of books, and give you the tip to tail of the book and base on how many pages turned it was worth. Then I follow up with a game of the week and give you the ins and outs of what to expect, how many awards, and of course, how much I loved it. So if you love books, if you love games, and if you love witty openings, then you should totally tune into Page Turners and Button Mashers. Welcome aboard, Hushlings. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our pal, Slick Frank Sanders. Slick Frank Sanders here. Put your tray tables in an upright position and explore the mystery behind the hijacking of a Northwest Orient Airlines flight that departed from Portland International Airport on Thanksgiving Eve of 1971. Strap on your parachute as we seek answers of how Dan Cooper leapt to an uncertain fate over southwestern Washington State with $200,000 and disappeared off the face of the earth. A manhunt and a 45-year long FBI investigation followed with multiple suspects yet his identity remains unknown join the hush hush society conspiracy hour monday june 28th for debriefing 26 db cooper welcome back to the hush hush society conspiracy hour let's talk about the white fiat uno and a man named james andenson Analysis of the wreckage of the Mercedes revealed that at one point it had made contact with a white Fiat Uno, which left traces of paint on the body of the Mercedes. Extensive attempts by the French police to find the vehicle involved were unsuccessful. 
Very famous white paint on that Fiat, huh? Yeah, yeah. Special, special Very white special paint. white paint. Although no one had seen the Fiat in the tunnel, some witnesses reported seeing a Fiat Uno exiting the tunnel. So it just must have already been there. I don't know. Yeah, that's where the shots came from. Yeah, yeah. Mohammed Al-Fayed said in his 2005 statement to Operation Paget and at other times that the white Fiat Uno was being used by the MI6 as a means of causing the Mercedes to swerve and thereby crash into the side of the tunnel. They should have used candy apple green, <laughs> underskirt lights and stuff, neons. Like Fast and the Furious, ripping through. It's Vin Diesel and a Honda Civic in the tunnel. Oh, no. <laughs> Alpha further alleged that the Fiat Uno was owned by a French photojournalist named Jean-Paul James Andenson. Operation Paget found that the white Fiat Uno Anderson owned was in an unroadworthy condition, being nine years old at the time, with 325,000 kilometers on the odometer. Anderson had sold the car in October of 1997. The investigation concluded it was extremely unlikely, due to the car's condition and the fact Anderson had so openly disposed of it, that it was the car at the scene of the crash in Paris. I mean, how many Fiats are in Paris? Probably a shit ton. There's yeah. probably a whole lot. But I'm wondering where Mohammed Al-Fayed came up with this. So I know he was well invested in this because his son had died and he thought that there was foul play. And there was a lot of things that pointed to foul play, obviously. But where did he come up with this information that it was owned by this French photojournalist? I don't see the connection there. Did he spot him? Did he know who he was? I just don't, I don't know. But it, could it have been a photojournalist that they've had bad blood with that he pinned it on? You know, because I mean, you know how certain paparazzi probably know certain people by name and vice versa. Could be. And he obviously had to know that this photojournalist owned the car, that Jean-Paul had owned the Fiat Uno. So he had some sort of previous experience with him and the guy's car maybe he tried to pin it on him man who knows yeah like you said it's it's pretty weird there was an extensive amount of searching that went into finding the particular fiat that they believed this white paint came from and i don't know exactly how he narrowed it down to it being andenson's fiat but somehow they did and you know like we said it, it seems pretty unlikely just because of the condition of the car and apparently it was sitting for a really long time it was pretty much undrivable apparently what we're about to get into might point into a completely opposite direction it's hard to say and that would be the death of Andenson. Now, he died in May of 2000, and the official verdict of his death was suicide. His body was found in a black, burnt-out BMW in a forest near the town of Nantes in the south of France. Evidence was uncovered from his friends and associates that prior to his death, he had talked of suicide by pouring gasoline in a car and lighting it with a cigar. Jeez badass style at the end of a military movie like smokes the cigar and throws it on the gas yeah do you think you got like a good flick like one of them i would hope so you, <laughs> you only know. got one shot <laughs> <laughs> when the car was found Anderson's body was in the driver's seat of the car and his head was detached and lay between the front seat there was a hole in his left temple and allegedly this hole was caused by the intense heat of fire rather than what you might have thought a bullet 
Uh, yeah, exactly. decapitated with a hole in his temple. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's the only thing you can. I don't know. My head went sideways. That little confused puppy look. You know, like what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh? I, I'm not a fire sci- scientist of any kind, but oh come on, yes you are. That seems very sus. Bad cover up. Bad cover up. They explain away the hole in his head. They said, oh, it's caused by fire and heat. Why the fuck was his head detached? <laughs> I guess it depends on the, the state of the body and how badly burnt it was. Maybe your head would just fall off. All that tissue burnt off. and I don't think so. Yeah, you know. Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. That sand person village in Star Wars when they're all like burnt up and crumpled like Luke's parents or something. Like their bodies. Aren't oh yeah, detached. His, his aunt and uncle. Yeah, yeah those heads they're, aren't they're, detached. No, those heads weren't attached. That's the only point of reference that I have for this. <laughs> Listen, if you are a firefighter or some sort of uh, uh, fire, fire investigator, please, please reach out to us. You know, someone. Just yeah, a mortician. Yeah, anybody, any anybody that has to deal with any super burnt bodies, please let me know if this is a valid thing. A hole in a skull due to heat. And maybe that heat was so intense that <laughs> the head itself. detached itself <laughs> and, and blew it between the seats. Here's, <laughs> I can't explain away the detached head, but the hole in the skull, the hole in the temple. I have heard that when cremating a body, if the teeth are left in, they pop like popcorn. So now I don't know if that happens at a velocity high enough to shoot through somebody's skull and leave a hole. Um, but maybe, maybe that was it. But that still doesn't explain away the, the detached head. Yeah. So you're saying that he overcooked his jiffy. Yeah. And he <laughs> forgot right, gotcha. the tinfoil. Jiffy pop. <laughs> well, getting back to Diana in that tunnel, let's talk about the seatbelts. It's said that Diana was a habitual seatbelt user, and this implies that both her and Dodie's seatbelts either failed or were not used and might suggest sabotage. Well, if you're canoodling in the back seat, there's no seatbelt. <laughs> nope. There is a quote by Andre Leinhart, an emergency responder that showed up to the scene. Quote, what is certain is that she was not wearing a seatbelt and this made things worse. We would like to think that if she had been wearing a seatbelt, we'd have been able to save her. See, kids? Wear your seatbelt. Spokesperson. Especially when you're canoodling in the backseat. The British inquest verdict explicitly stated that the lack of seatbelts had caused or contributed to the deaths of both Dodie and Diana. No coincidence there. No surprise. Since we had the wonderful quote from the emergency responder letting us know to wear our seatbelts, many believe that the doctors allowed Diana to die on purpose. So was it that first responder? Well, you know, she should have wore her seatbelt. Oh, she's still alive, but, you know, she should have <laughs> She's still alive. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Shuns wore- her in her last moments for not wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> I showed up to the scene. I saw she had no seatbelt. just kicked her in the face multiple times until <laughs> she stopped breathing. <laughs> so should have worn your fucking seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was the last thing they told her when he's standing over her. You should have wore your belts. So by not treating her in the proper way, 
they stopped her from recovering. So exactly the scenario that we just played out. That's probably yeah. Most of this revolves around her treatment at the scene of the crash. See, it's this. What's this? What's this guy's name? Andre? You son of a bitch! He's too busy yeah. telling her about yep. fucking seatbelts. Can you imagine if that's what happened? <laughs> Talking to the news channel, he's like, well, she should have wore her seatbelt and she's actually still breathing on a gurney. And they're just like, oh, so they made the decision to try and treat her at the scene instead of bringing her to a hospital where she probably or potentially could have survived. We're talking about the care that she received. And there's an interesting fact here. The French approach to emergency care is simply different from most places in the world. In France, emergency crews focus on giving treatment at the scene before moving a person to the hospital. In the UK or the US, it's normally about getting to the hospital sooner. EMTs and <laughs> yes. paramedics, they are they are trained to to help you and to keep you living so that they can get you to the hospital. But the hospital is like ultimately where you want to be. That's where the people that spent seven to 12 years of their lives training and learning how to save your life. Well, it's where all the equipment is. It's not on a fucking ice cream truck. (laughs) (laughs) They rolled up to the hospital. (laughs) 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 Dots for Diana. You guys have dipping dots? Our next angle to cover here is realistically what seems like a very possible scenario as to why the death of Diana happened. And that is that Princess Diana was assassinated to prevent her from marrying a Muslim man. Henry's father, Jean Paul, said to British police and told him that Diana had been quote unquote bumped off by the royal family to prevent her from marrying Dodi Fayed, who is a Muslim man. He said, Diana was killed and my son was killed. I believe they were both murdered. My son was simply collateral damage of a plot to kill Diana, and they killed him as well. Dodi Fayed was not a Christian, and apparently it would not be very appropriate to bring an outsider into the royal family. He was allegedly going to propose to Diana on the trip. Or imagine if he had like the ring in his pocket and they just found it. Oh, damn. And allegedly he had purchased the ring from a jewelry store beforehand. You know, he hops in the back of the limo and then he's going to propose and negative. It's actually kind of sad. You know, she she was trying to move on with her life and she wasn't a bad person. Not even by a long shot. And all she really wanted was to just live a new life and move on from this royal family life that she'd been living. Mm -hmm. That's rough, man. It happened so long ago, but obviously, like, when you get into the story of the whole thing, it's... It's kind of sad. Imagine killing off your own family member because you're like, well, (laughs) they can't get married to them. Oh, God. Toxic. Yeah. No wonder why she was trying to leave and no wonder why everybody left a couple hundred years ago. Let's talk real quick about Henry Paul, the driver of Princess Diana's Mercedes. Conspiracy theorists, including Al-Fayed, have claimed that Henry Paul was a double agent for France and possibly British security services. Oh, that's a big spin. They pointed to a large amount of cash found in his possession at the time and considerable personal wealth held in 15 separate bank accounts. Booyah! The plot thickens. Got deep pockets, boy. 
Although Operation Paget concluded his wealth had not come from security services, police said he would have only had contact with the French Secret Service agents when high-ranking guests stayed at the hotel. People who doubt the official story say that its central claim about Mr. Paul being drunk at the time of the crash was not only false, but was a lie spread in the media to cover up the killing. That was allegedly done by swapping his body with another person, so that the toxicology results would appear correct. Now, who else did they do that with? <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. There are a number of reasons people believe this. Henry Paul did not seem to behave like he was drunk earlier on in the night, and let us not forget about the beliefs point him being in the pockets of MI6. He's the only one that survived, right, too? No, no, the bodyguard survived. Oh, this yeah. dude died? Oh yeah, they swapped yeah, his body. Yeah, because he was fucking <laughs> probably from an overdose. He was, he ate like 45 perk 5000s. <laughs> Everybody's seen him blowing perks in the bar for his downing Glenlivets. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the final conspiracy to this entire tragedy. Is it possible that Diana just faked her death? Maybe she didn't want to be in the spotlight anymore. She didn't want to have the royal family breathing down her neck when she was just trying to live a new life. There are some people that believe that Diana faked her own death so she could slip away. She could change her identity and start a new life with Dodie away from the public scrutiny. Some people believe that even despite the post-mortem examination of the bodies, two different bodies who are not Diana and Dodie were buried in their place. Those were definitely not 3D printed. Maybe they were. You don't think so? I feel like if Diana had faked her own death that there would have been somebody, whether it was MI6 or the royal family or the French police or somebody that would have figured it out or would have squealed or would have gotten some sort of information about her. On top of it all, if she went and faked her own death, she was on every newspaper, she was on every television when it happened. It's like if they were looking for some sort of fugitive and they blast their picture all over the place. I kind of feel like if she had even ended up within a mile of that tunnel, popping out from some underground hatchway or something that somebody would have seen her and said hey it's diana hey you got out of the out of the wreck something along those lines but who knows it's possible she had the resources she definitely had the resources they had the gold well you see this being a really consistent trend in a lot of these big deaths whether it be tupac michael jackson jeffrey epstein and most of the conspiratorial beliefs of these people faking their own deaths are normally kind of viable just because like you said they have those resources but i feel like in a time like 1997 i feel like it'd be easier to get away with faking your death as it would be now like yeah despite her face being everywhere there's no street surveillance cameras and people with mm. cell phone cameras all over the place where if they did see her they could just snap a picture it would just kind of be word of mouth people would just call bullshit oh no you didn't see diana walking down the sidewalk in france she's dead didn't you hear i feel like these people watched her so much that they would be able to very easily spot a body double yeah the question lies if she did attempt to fake her own death and the mi6 and the royal family did catch on to it what would then happen to Diana and Dodie? Would they kill her anyway? You know, like oh, privately? Yeah. Just like outside of the limelight? Yeah, absolutely. She's already considered dead. It's true. 
It's like that double jeopardy thing. Like she's pronounced dead. They can't be charged if there were any charges to come to them. She can't be charged with killing someone who's already technically dead, right? Yeah, it's true. What if she was already dead before this crash? That kind of strays away from the Diana faking her death idea. They saw her getting in the car, though. Yeah, but what if that was her body double? Mm. Just like stunt doubles <laughs> and actors. You yeah. know, they just had to kind of come up with a reason for Diana dying. They're like, well, we killed her, so now we, we got to publicly kill her. I mean, I think a body double looks like the person looks, but uh, they're just dead. She was a royal family. They must have body doubles. For everybody, you think? What if her body double looked like Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> Yo, stop. <laughs> All right, boys, let's take a look at our final thoughts. David? As a whole, I guess I can ask you the question, who do you think is responsible for the death of Diana if she didn't fake it? If she didn't fake it, I would say that it was done by MI6 under the order of the royal family. Okay. I would say because of the evidence and the lack of, I guess, evidence and some of the outlandish claims of it being paparazzi or somebody shining a million power candle spotlight into their fucking car or Fiat like in the Italian job just ripping down some stairs into the tunnel and slamming into him and you know, all the all the different angles, drunk limo driver, they all could have been variables. But all in all, mm -hmm. I agree with you with that. I think because of her choices, no matter how much of a humanitarian she was, to the rest of the world within her own family they didn't see her plan lining up with their plan like we said before earlier was this is nothing new for the royal family <laughs> i'm gonna agree with your sentiments on this there's a lot of evidence that point to foul play as much as they swore that away and and said that it was a an honest god accident i think there were a lot of things working against Princess Diana with her supposed pregnancy, with her relationship with Dodie, uh, him being a Muslim man, her maybe plans to remarry to him. I just kind of relate it to how the royal family acts today. Currently, bring it back to the Meghan Markle thing. She joined the family and it was a huge thing because she was biracial and she wasn't of royal blood and she was an American and all this other jazz. And if you take that same sentiment back 30 years, I I think it was more prominent that the royal family would not allow an outsider in, even on like a peripheral level like Dodie would have been. Yeah, the queen ordered the hit. <laughs> Frank, final thoughts? Frank's final thought. Shut your eyes for me. Shut, <laughs> shut your eyes. I'm going to paint you a picture. Diana and Dodie are walking out of the hotel, filled with joy, happy, full of new love. They're walking out of the hotel and the paparazzi is bothering them. So they get into the bends. They get into the back seat. And Diana says, Dodie, put on your seatbelt, click it or ticket. And Dodie <laughs> says, nah. So they start driving away and the paparazzi's flashing away, flashing away. Meanwhile, as they're driving, Queen Elizabeth is sitting in a big, dark room, big, dark cathedral. And she's sitting on her, on her evil looking throne. And she's wearing <laughs> black robe, a black hooded robe. And she says promptly, execute order 66. And <laughs> it pans, it pans from one scene to another. You've got the MI6 on the motorcycles and they, they hear it in their earpiece and they nod. And you've got Henry, the driver, and he's he presses on his earpiece and he nods and he pops another perk 30. <laughs> and they drive into the tunnel. The owner of the white Fiat hears it and he nods. <laughs> and he, he like lights up his cigar. 
and then they go into the tunnel and big flash of light. I believe the flash of light happened, the MI6, you know, the, the car crashes, Mercedes crashes. They, they get off the bikes, they walk up to it, and they nod at each other in their stormtrooper <laughs> outfits. Shortly after, it then pans to Andenson, and he's sitting, sitting in the BMW covered in gasoline, and he lights up his Cuban. And the order comes through, and he nods, and he flicks the fucking Cuban into the to the gasoline. And <coughs> don't forget emergency medical services. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the ice cream truck emergency uh, medical <laughs> services. They're they're on the sidelines. They're already outside of the tunnel. Um, everybody's nodding. B- b- yeah, everybody's nodding with with a <laughs> finger in their ear. <laughs> and. <laughs> yeah, the ambulance is already outside of the tunnel before the car even goes into it, and they nod. <laughs> and they run up in there, and the the actual order wasn't for any of that. It was just for the emergency service people to go and mock Diana on her deathbed for not wearing a seatbelt. I believe that Order 66 was executed under the hand of Queen Elizabeth for all of this to happen. Yeah, the the royal family took out Princess Diana, if she didn't fake it, by the hand of the MI6. I'm glad we uh, shined all the light down that tunnel. Well, that's going to do it for our Princess Diana episode. Hushlings, what do you think? Did we miss any research? What are your thoughts? Did Princess Diana fake her own death? Did the queen sit in her dark chapel and call for Order 66 on Diana? Let us know. Reach out to us. You can find us on all our social medias. You can also find us on our website, hushhushsociety.com. You can reach out to us there. We have a contact page. You can also email us at contact at hushhushsociety.com, and we will promptly get back to you. And Hushlings, tune in Monday, June 28th for Debriefing 26, where we are going into a different kind of conspiracy, I would say. We're going to explore D.B. Cooper. That's going to be an exciting one. I am super hyped for that. Well, Hushlings, thank you for tuning in to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.